If you're just joining us for the first time in this series, we're making our way through, step by step, the book of 2 Timothy in this series called Made for More. And it's funny we call it a book because it's not really a book, of course. We've been learning it's actually a letter. It's a letter from the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, one of the main leaders of the early church, to one of his beloved disciples, Timothy. And although it's a letter from one person to another, and it's not technically addressed to us, uh, there's still so many things in there that we can learn from. And, and we've been learning that Paul, when he's writing this letter, is in the last stages of his life, and he's in prison, and the end of chapter 1 talks about the fact that he is abandoned by some of his own disciples and left basically to rot in a prison cell. And, and so he's basically seeing this letter as one last chance to communicate with this beloved disciple, this, this student of his who he's been mentoring for many years. I wonder if you had someone in your life who you'd been mentoring for a long time and it got to the end of your life and you knew you had one more opportunity to write a letter to that person. I wonder what you'd include in that letter. I think if you were me, you'd, you'd include the most important lessons of your life, wouldn't you? You'd go with the top 10 or something like that. And perhaps there are things that maybe you've been banging on about for quite a long time and and maybe your, your reader will be like, oh, here he goes again. He's always said this. But, but you would just want to hammer them home one last time, wouldn't you? The most important lessons. And that's why 2 Timothy is so rich with lessons for us. Because Paul is essentially pouring out his heart to his beloved student one last time, getting all of that important stuff that he's learned over his entire life into one last letter. And that's where we've been journeying through. We've, we've, over the last five weeks, we've, we've covered chapter one. There's so much in it that we've covered chapter one now in five weeks. And uh, we've, we've been learning how uh, Paul's been telling Timothy to um, have an authentic faith, to take off the mask, and, and to fan into flame those spiritual gifts that we we gain when we receive the Holy Spirit and to put them to good use. And he talks about uh, being, being strong and courageous, that we have the Spirit uh, that gives us boldness and sound mind and, and not timidity or fear. And uh, he talks about the importance of the gospel and the power that that has. And that's, that brings us to this morning. We get to start chapter 2 this morning. And by start, I really mean start, because we're going to look at just verse 1 this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. So he starts off by saying, you then my son. And again, it's, it's a reiteration of this, the importance of this relationship that Paul has with Timothy. We know a little bit about Timothy. Uh, his mother and grandmother were Jewish Christians. His father was a Greek man, but we don't really know much more about his father. And so we can only assume that over many years, Paul has become a spiritual father to Timothy. And that relationship is just so important to both of them. He starts off chapter 2 by saying, you then, my son. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus. 
what does this mean? What does this mean? What did it mean to Timothy? What did it mean to Paul? What does it mean to us? How can we get it out of our heads and into our arms and legs? How how do we put action to that? Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Well, to understand this fully, we need to understand the elements of this sentence. What does this truly mean? We start off by exploring grace just for a minute. And many of us in this room will, will have a bit of an idea of what grace is. But you know what? There's, there's actually a group of people in this room who may not know what grace is. Our recent church survey said that up to 25% of people in this room this morning don't have a church background. And that's fantastic. And, and there's a group of those people who don't even follow Jesus at the moment. They're kind of on the journey towards that, perhaps, and they're exploring. And if that's you this morning, we just want to welcome you. We love having you here. We try not to suppose that you know everything, that you've been journeying through all this with us over many years, like many of us have, but we want to include you, and we're just so welcome. Uh, We're just so glad that you're here, and we want to welcome you. But what is grace? For the rest of us, it's such an important element of our faith, that it's helpful just to go over it, isn't it, all the time. We sing about it a lot, we talk about it a lot. What is grace? Grace is a free gift. Free gift from God. Something that we get given that we don't deserve. We get what we don't deserve. And by very definition, you can't earn grace, because then it's not grace. It's the gift from God that we don't deserve. And grace comes in many forms. I, I believe we, we, God is gracious to us. He protects us, perhaps when we don't deserve it. He provides for us, perhaps when we don't deserve it. He has all sorts of things for us, even when we don't deserve it. And that's grace. So when Paul talks about the grace that is in Christ Jesus, he's talking about a specific kind of grace. He's talking about the gospel. And once again, many of us here know what this means, but I'm going to just investigate that just a fraction just so that we're all on the same page. The gospel, it's another term for good news. And the good news that we receive is this. We believe that God created everything. God created everything. And not only did he create everything, but he created everything in a a wholeness, in a unity, with perfect relationship. So you have God, and you have me, and you have the world, and you have others, all in one perfect community, working perfectly together. There's no separation. What happens was me... Me happened. (laughs) I decided that my way was better. We decided that our way was better. And unfortunately, we stuffed it up. We blew everything apart so that there was now a divorce between these four things. They were separated. And we tried for thousands of years to bring 
those connections back together in various forms. But in the end, God just said, enough. It is finished. The trying and trying to reconnect is finished. I'm going to fix it once and for all. I'm going to give my one and only son to die, to pay the price, to reconnect these things. And that is the gift of grace. That is the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The free gift. That if, if we accept the gift, because a gift has to have a, a giver and a receiver, you need to receive the gift. If we accept this gift, we can now have right relationship with God. That separation is brought together once more. But you know, the gospel is bigger than that. The gospel is broader and wider and more expansive than just that. Because when we accept the grace, the gift of grace, we can now have a relationship with God, a right relationship with God. We can now have a right relationship with myself. I can now have a right relationship with others. I can now have a right relationship with the world around me through what Jesus did on the cross. And that's the gospel. So the grace that is in Christ Jesus, how, what's he talking about when he says be strong in this? What does that mean? Okay, so Paul is telling Timothy that you can't rely on your job title for strength. You can't rely on your good looks for strength. You can't rely on your education or your qualification or your experiences or your age or your gender or what people think of you or anything else. You can't rely on the number of days since your team last won the AFL Premiership. Uh, 14 days, by the way. Go the Tigers. And uh, someone pointed out to me during the week that since the Tigers won the grand final, no one has mentioned it from the stage. And so I'm going to take that burden upon myself. And uh, for many years, Craig would get up here and celebrate or commiserate various Richmond's performances, but he never got a chance to celebrate an AFL grand final win. So I'm going to do that now. Thank you very much. All right. And for many of you, you'll be glad to know that the football is finished and the cricket is about to start. Okay, good. Uh, What is Paul saying? He's saying none of that stuff can make you strong like the grace of God can make you strong. He's saying if you're going to be strong in anything, be strong in this. Let this strengthen you. How does grace strengthen us then? How does grace strengthen us? Well, I think grace strengthens us in three ways. Firstly, grace provides fuel. Grace provides fuel. Who here watched Bathurst last weekend? A bit of Bathurst, maybe? Oh, wow. Okay, not as many as I think. That's, that's probably a good thing. Okay. Um, a supercar will not get through Bathurst without fuel. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? Marathon runners. You talk to um, some of the long-distance runners who are in our church community, and you ask them what fuel they use when they run a big race, and they'll tell you it's quite specific. It's the timing of it, the, the, 
the content of the fuel, everything, or the food that they eat is very important because they know they can't get through the marathon without the right fuel. The grace that is in Christ Jesus, this gospel is our fuel. When we accept that gift, when we accept that gift, we get given a mission. We get given a purpose. But we need fuel to make that happen. In fact, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this book, in, in other writings of his, likens this mission to a race. He says, run it in, in such a way to win. If we're going to win a race, we need the right fuel. And this is our fuel. This is what keeps us going. This is what gives us energy and passion and fire for this purpose that we have when we accept the gift. This is what keeps people going when they go through really tough times in their lives. You might know of people of faith who have been through terrible circumstances, but their faith has remained strong. Why? It's because they are fueled up. They are fueled up on grace. It keeps them going. No matter what the surrounding circumstances say, it's the fuel. Perhaps today you feel a little dry. Perhaps today might be a chance just to refuel a little bit and get a bit more grace just to refuel for the next journey. Grace provides our fuel. Grace provides our perspective. If you've ever been overseas, you'll know the feeling that no matter how many similarities there are between your culture and a different culture, you never quite feel at home. You could be in a culture that's really similar, but you never quite feel at home. It might be the smells, it might be the sights, it might be the, um, the side of the road they drive on. It could be all sorts of things, but you never quite feel at home. Well, the Bible tells us that when we accept this free grace, this free gift of grace, that our citizenship is actually in heaven. And, and we get this new perspective that says, I'm not from here. I'm only here temporarily. And that shifts our whole perspective on life. In fact, it shifts our perspective on death because death isn't the end of life anymore, is it? It's just the beginning of life. It provides a new perspective. In fact, it broadens our perspective even on the gospel because we believe that Jesus came, we believe that Jesus died, we believe that Jesus rose again and made these connections possible once more. But you know what? We also believe that Jesus is returning. And when he returns, these other things will be restored. God will judge the world in perfection. God will recreate a new heaven and a new earth. No more Sorrow, no more grief, no more pain or suffering. That is the kingdom that we have our citizenship in, and God will bring it all together again, like He originally planned. That's the perspective that we gain. And, and Paul would actually say, a step further than that, we're actually ambassadors of heaven. We're ambassadors of the kingdom of God. While we're walking around doing our day-to-day -day lives, we're representing 
our homeland. We're representing our king. I wonder how many people here today live day to day as ambassadors of their homeland. I wonder how many people here today need to re-accept that grace once more and to reset perspective. Reset your perspective. That life is more than just what's going on today in my life. That there's a bigger picture at play. On a side note, tonight at Undone, we're continuing our Big Questions, Real Answers series, and I'm really excited because tonight's question is, what happens when I die? And we're going to explore this a little further. So if that interests you, that topic or that question, um, I really encourage you, come along, 5 p.m. tonight. If you know of someone who has asked that question, it might be a perfect opportunity to invite them. If you know someone who has recently been affected by death in some way, or perhaps is facing death in the near future, tonight will be an amazing opportunity to invite them. So I encourage you, five o'clock tonight, it's going to be great vibe, it's going to be great uh, worship together, but it's really going to be a great discussion and community as well, so come along tonight. Okay, grace provides our fuel, grace provides perspective. The third and final thing, grace provides, most importantly, our relationship. Grace provides our relationship. The thing about relationship is that in our culture today, we celebrate individual achievements. We celebrate independence. My wife and I are currently um, toilet training our three-year-old. And we celebrate when she is independent. (laughs) And we are looking forward to the day that she is fully independent. And and all through childhood, we teach our kids to be independent. And that's really important, isn't it? It's part of life. That's what we've been doing as human beings for thousands of years, teaching the next generation to be independent and to live on their own. But you know what? It doesn't actually finish after childhood. Because we continue celebrating independence all through our lives. For instance, this guy, Ethan Hall. His nickname is The Beast. You'll see a picture of him on the screen. He, this year, he um, won the competition for the world's strongest man. The Beast. <laughs> see that on his arms. He can lift 500 tonnes. Uh, 500, sorry, half, 500 kilos. 500 tonne would be very impressive. (laughs) Half a tonne, 500 kilos, on his own. On his own. That is absolutely impressive, wouldn't you say? Or what about this guy, Charlie Smart? He's the uh, Australian guy. He's 18. Last year, he became the youngest person ever to fly around the world on his own. Solo. That is impressive. At the age of 18, fly around the world on your own. Must be pretty lonely up there at times. What about this lady? This lady is a pig farmer from Taiwan. I won't try and pronounce her name, uh, but 
She recently won a prize for killing over four million mosquitoes in one month on her own. On her own. She won a prize because the local government there was trying to get rid of the mosquito population, or at least a large part of it, so they ran a competition to see how many you could kill in a month. And this lady killed over four million. That's one and a half kilos of mozzies that they're hand handling there. It's kind of gross, kind of random, but you get it. <laughs> uh, we celebrate individual achievements, don't we? We use words like unassisted, solo, um, you know, just to make achievements sound more impressive. But the thing is, at some point after childhood, there, there, comes, there comes this point where we celebrate independence so much that to confess that we need help becomes a sign of weakness. At some point, if we have to ask for help for something, there's this kind of stigma attached, I suppose, that says, well, we can't do it on our own. We're not strong enough. We're not brave enough. We're not capable enough to do this on our own, so we need help. And confession that we need help becomes a sign of weakness. Take this example, okay. You may have seen this guy at the gym. He's the big, muscly dude at the gym. And he walks over to the weights room and he gets the first weight and put it, puts it on the bar and he, he puts the second weight on the other side and then he puts another one on and he, he does it really nice and slow so you can see his muscle bulging like this. Put him on, put him on. And he looks around briefly to see if there's a spot handy, but there isn't, so he just says, oh, I've got this on my own, so that's all good. So he lies down on the bench. Should I lie down? I don't know. Okay, I will. <coughs> Hopefully you can see me. I wasn't planning to do this. And, and the, weights are on the, the weights are on the bar like that, and he lifts them off, and then... And, and for a split second, he tries to lift the weights. But he very quickly realizes he should have looked a bit harder for that spot. <laughs> and he yells out, Spot! And no one's going to come rushing to my aid, but, but someone will run over, <laughs> personal trainer or someone, and they will lift the weights off and hook them back on the bar, nice and safe again. See, that is a great example of the relationship that we gain when we receive this. You see, quite often we will attempt to lift a weight that we simply cannot lift on our own. And we lift and we think, I got this. And we lift and then, poof, and we realize it's too heavy for us. I can't lift this. 
when we receive this gift, we can just yell out, spot! And God and all of heaven will come rushing over and grab the weight off us and put it back on the bar nice and safely. And we are relieved of that burden. We are relieved of that weight that we cannot lift on our own. And in that moment of confessing that we need help, in that moment of yelling, spot, we become strong. We actually become the strongest version of ourselves because God comes with his infinite strength and lifts the weight for us. And we become strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Another example, if the gym example doesn't really relate, like it doesn't really for me, um, perhaps you can relate to this one. You jump in the car, your spouse is there as well, I won't say which um, seat the spouse are in, um, but you packed away the GPS, packed away the map. You know exactly where you're going. <laughs> and you're pretty sure you know where you're going. And um, I think it's this next left, I'm pretty sure. And, um, oh, no, okay, it wasn't that next left. Um, but I did that on purpose because I wanted to just check out that tree that was right there. I did that deliberately. I'm going to drive back. And, and your, your wife, I mean, your spouse is uh, sitting in your, the, the seat and, and keeping their mouth closed because they've been here before and uh, they don't really want to uh, have an argument again. Um, but eventually, eventually, you just have to pull over. Don't you? You just have to pull over and you just have to say, I should probably just check the GPS. <laughs> I didn't, I thought I knew where I was going, but I actually need more direction than I thought. And that is a great example of the relationship that this gift of grace brings us. That quite often we know we. We're positive, we're pretty sure, we're less sure about where we're going and what we're doing, and eventually we have to just pull over in our lives and admit that while I thought I could do it on my own, I actually need some help. I'm lost. I need some help. And in that moment when we confess... God, I thought I knew where I was going, but I need some more direction from you. God switches on the GPS. Oh, no, I just thought of a Wayne joke. God positioning system. Oh, no. Okay, we won't do that. (laughs) Too late. Okay. Um, (laughs) He flicks on the GPS, and, and we have direction again. Because it's in that moment that we confess that we need help, that we become strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. See, the the confession is often seen as an indicator of weakness, but it's in the act and the process 
of confession that we are made strong in Jesus. Perhaps today there are people that just need that refresher of grace and that reminder of a relationship with him. And maybe today you need to yell out, Spot! I need a spot. Or, I need direction. I need it. I've been going along on my own for too long, and I need help. We're about to hear a song, which we'll all know, but I want to encourage you, let it wash over you. This morning, do you, do you need some more fuel this morning? Do you need to reset the perspective once again this morning? Do you need to remember that relationship again this morning? Or perhaps this is a moment right now where you haven't ever had these things and you want to accept this free gift for the first time. 